Hello and welcome to the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. It is your host, Brian Metzer, back with you as I am each and every week on Wednesday. And it is great to be back with you all again this week to talk some Pittsburgh Penguins, NHL, get you ready for the trade deadline, talk about what's happened since last we got together and much more, including news of the weird, some questions from you guys and much more. So I hope you will enjoy this period of time. I I imagine we'll go about 25 to 30 minutes today as we often do. But first, let me tell you where you can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Metzer. You can find this show itself at timesonline.com, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, iTunes. Simply search Beaver County Times and you will find all of our great content. It's not just this Penguins podcast, even though this is the one you should be listening to if you're a hockey fan. But we have great coverage of the Pittsburgh Pirates. We have Steelers during their season, Scholastic, and much more, including pop culture and everything else that you'd want to hear and read about. You can find it all over at timesonline.com and everywhere else that I just mentioned. So do check us out and uh, see all the great content we have for you. But since last we met, The Penguins, two wins, one loss, pushing their record without Evgeny Malkin to 5-3-1. Pretty impressive stuff for them. I mean, this is a situation where uh, everybody thought maybe they would falter a little bit or, you know, just just crash down to earth in terms of their offense. But you still have Sidney Crosby playing at a very high level. Phil Kessel might be heating up a little bit. You still have Patrick Hornquist, Chris Kunitz, and a host of others that could pick up the offensive slack. And in the first game of the week that they played since last we talked without Evgeny Malkin, they got some great secondary scoring. And that's what I wanted to get into a little bit today because it's going to be a big topic of conversation. Uh, Just looking at the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton call-ups, how they've been able to contribute, what they've done what they're going to do moving forward and what happens when the Penguins start to get back to full health. Are those guys going to still have a role here? Are they going to be involved here in Pittsburgh? And that's uh, the million dollar question. But it all started with a game against the Detroit Red Wings last Thursday night. And the Penguins played a run and gun game. I mean, this was just back and forth action. The Red Wings, as, as I think we all know by now, especially since they've had an infusion of youth in recent years, or a fast skating back and forth type team. They like to get on the attack. They like to play a transition game and they like to, um, you know, make great defensive reads and, and plays in the neutral zone and at your own blue line to try and get you caught off guard, flat footed. And then they go the other way with the speed that they have. And uh, that was on full display um, whenever the Penguins met them uh, close to a week ago right now. But it was a very fun game to watch, and it, it harkens back to some of the other games we've been talking about in recent weeks where it feels like late 80s, early 90s hockey before, of course, the trap was implemented by the New Jersey Devils because those games used to just be back and forth, lots of offense, and that's what we saw when the Penguins played the Detroit Red Wings. Nine goals scored. The goaltenders weren't loving this one too much as they faced uh, 39 and 38 shots, respectively. Marc-Andre Fleury made 35 saves on the 38 he faced. Peter Morazic, the Detroit Red Wings goaltender, did not fare so well. He ended up allowing five goals on the 39 he faced before giving way to Jimmy Howard. And then uh, the Penguins ended up getting an, another goal into the empty net. 
But uh, secondary scoring, as I said, has been an issue for this team. And especially since Evgeny Malkin went out, that was magnified a little bit. And they got a ton of it in this one. Ben Lovejoy on the board. You had Matt Cullen on the board. And Scott Wilson, who uh, we should mention was leading Wilkes-Barre Scranton and the American Hockey League in goal scoring when he was recalled a couple or a few weeks ago. And to see him start to get himself going offensively is a great thing for the Penguins. And now that he got that first one last Thursday, maybe that was going to become a little bit of a trend for him. So we'll talk about that as we move through the show because it did indeed become a little bit of a trend for uh, the uh, Scott Wilson, who looks to be getting a lot more comfortable at the National Hockey League level. But another big story in that game, and I'm sure it's a, one you've heard a lot about over the last week, is that Sidney Crosby and Phil Kessel were reunited and right away had some great chemistry, more so than we saw from them Back in the beginning of the season when they played seven games together uh, right from the start. And this has been a head scratcher for me all year long because they both worked very well together in the first couple preseason games that they played. They, they were very productive. They were reading and reacting very well off of one another. And then once, I, I don't know if it was, and you've probably heard me say this before, but I don't know if it's once the coaching staffs started to put more of their systems in place, and this is with the Penguins and with the opposition, but it just seemed to disrupt them. I think a bigger part of this had to do with the fact that the defense didn't look anything like it does now. The transition game that the Penguins play doesn't or didn't look anything like it does now. And both Sidney Crosby and Phil Kessel thrive whenever it's a speed type of game, whenever they can keep pushing the puck north to south, keep going on the attack. They don't have to stop and take passes in the neutral zone. They can come through there with speed and get the defense pressed back on their heels. That's what you saw happen in this Detroit Red Wings game. Yields immediate dividends. Uh, Sidney Crosby had a goal and an assist, even though the goal was an empty netter. And Phil Kessel had two goals, one off of a great feed from Sidney Crosby where he beat what looked to be four Red Wings of defenders. Uh, he pushed a backhand pass between a, just a, a forest of legs. One of these uh, defenders on him was Pavel Datsuk. We all know how good Datsuk is defensively, and Sid made it look very easy in getting the pass through to Phil Kessel, and he did a great job of getting a quick shot off and catching Mrazek off guard and scoring a goal. Got a second one a little bit later on uh, a nice play where he crashes the net and gets a rebound to finish that one off. And it looked like something that, you know, I, I wouldn't mind getting a more of a look at it as we move forward here. However, I would not be disappointed if they just quickly reunited Evgeny Malkin, Phil Kessel, and Carl Haglin whenever Gino Malkin's healthy because that line had done such a great job uh, during the, the time they played together before Gino was knocked out of the lineup. They were well over 20 points combined, those three, uh, before he was hurt. But that was a big win for the team. The Detroit Red Wings were right there in terms of the Eastern Conference standings. And of course, we're going to be having this same sort of conversation multiple times down the stretch because every game is so magnified, every point so much more magnified. But these two points against the Detroit Red Wings were very important because, yes, they're not in the Penguins division, but at the same time, that's a team that's right there in the conversation for those those wild card spots in the Eastern Conference. And to get points against those guys you you stay ahead you stay right where you need to be you solidify your position and so that was a nice uh, game for the Penguins not so nice on Saturday whenever the Penguins hit home ice again against the Tampa Bay Lightning 
Marc-Andre Fleury, a late scratch for this one. He showed up at the rink uh, ill that day. I happened to be down there very early because we had our Penguins Radio Network show at 9 a.m. live from Consol Energy Center. And you started to hear that buzz that Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't going to be able to go. And everybody was a little bit concerned, wondering what it was. It turns out it was probably just a sickness. He had given Jeff Zatkoff a heads up via text message saying he wasn't going to be able to go. But that did press Zatkoff into duty. Not his best game by any means. He uh, allowed four goals and just didn't look very comfortable. And some of that might have had to do with the fact that he was um, just not known or not didn't realize he was going to get in this game and play. But it was one that he lets up a goal early in the first period from Anton Strawman. That's his third in two games against the Penguins this season. Steven Stamkos gets on the board with his 300th career goal. Matt Carl scores. Penguins finally get one, and it's another secondary scorer. Tom Kuhnockel, a uh, Ray Shiro draft pick. And I just wanted to point that out because I, I did read something on uh, Tuesday that people were still taking shots at Ray Shiro's drafting. And I don't want to say that it was phenomenal by any means because it wasn't. We all know it had its flaws. And um, the Penguins in general have not done a very good job of drafting over the last, say, 20 years, aside from their high round draft picks. And that's, you know, talking about Sidney Crosby, Marc-Andre Fleury, Evgeny Malkin, and so on. But to say, when when you're commenting in one breath about guys like Scott Wilson and Tom Kuhnockel contributing, and you're praising them, and you're saying that they're doing a nice job, to say that... Well, he had nothing in his cupboard when he left this organization. He left them high and dry, and they couldn't get anything right, and he couldn't get anything right is, I think, not very accurate. It's not an accurate representation of what's going on here. And um, it, it all feeds back into, I know if you guys follow me on Twitter, you hear me talk a lot about narratives and how these certain uh, different media outlets and and peers of mine like to point their finger in certain directions and they hype this one up or they beat this one down just because it's sort of towing a line for somebody. That's what uh, the the column I read on Tuesday was doing, taking a shot at Ray Shiro to praise Jim Rutherford. And uh, I don't understand why we still need to point fingers two years down the line. Talk about the here and now. Uh, And don't be a talking head or a puppet, if you will. But anyway, that's the story for another day. I think when you're seeing guys like Tom Kunockel come in on a nice shorthanded play where he beats Victor Hedman, who's one of the best defensemen in the league, makes a great speed play, gets a breakaway for himself, and uh, moves very well for an over-six-foot-tall guy, gets in on the breakaway, scores a very pretty goal against Ben Bishop. That was nice to see, and that was uh, two games in a row now with Wilkes-Barre Scranton guys getting on the board. So uh, unfortunately, it wasn't enough, but then Scott Wilson scored a goal in this game as well to make it 4-2 because Tyler Johnson scored a late goal for the Lightning. Unfortunately, they did fall in that one. Very tough loss for them because that's a team that they were jockeying with in the standings as well. And um, you you want to get every Eastern Conference point that you can, as I just mentioned a moment ago. But they were back at it Sunday in Buffalo for the second half of back-to-back games. Matt Murray was recalled for this game, and that had a lot of people raising an eyebrow and saying, "Uh uh-oh, okay, here we go, what's going on? Another Shiro draft pick, I should mention. Matt Murray, stolen. And, uh, you know, you would think, looking at what he's been able to do, he could have been a first-round pick. That was not the case for Matt Murray. He uh, is one of those sleepers and, and really just... Penguins obviously got him in the third round back in 2012, 83rd overall. 
I would say that was a pretty shrewd draft pick as well that has been left here behind by Ray Shiro. But maybe you can sense my my annoyance with uh, with that line of um, commentary. But anyway, he was summoned. We weren't sure if he was going to have to play against the Sabres. Turns out Marc-Andre Fleury was healthy, was able to go. But some talk came out of that, and it looks like Matt Murray's going to get to play a little bit more down the line here. But we'll talk about that in a second. I want to finish you off with a recap of this, this Buffalo Sabres game. Penguins end up finding themselves up 4-1 to one in the game, but allow the Sabres to claw back to make it closer. Penguins hold on to win 4-3. to three. But one of the uh, the neat aspects of this one was that first, Phil Kessel was on the board again. That's important. That's a guy you want to see continue to score and move in the right direction offensively. But Scott Wilson, who ironically, Saturday after the Lightning game, I caught up with him in the Penguins locker room and I asked him if this was going to be like a daily occurrence for him now. Are you just going to start to score these goals daily? And Wilson sort of chuckled a little bit and said, uh, well, you know, I don't know about that, but I hope so. Well, I would say... You went out again on Sunday, Mr. Wilson, and you scored again. And now it's three in a row. Until we see something different, I would say it's a daily occurrence. I mean, you know, Boston tonight, he's got to keep it going in that one. But for right now, three games in a row for a guy that had no NHL goals, that's pretty impressive for me. I was really, really excited to see him do that just based on the conversation I had with him. So that's a neat thing that I wanted to share with you and uh, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton guys definitely contributing in a big way right now, bringing their energy, bringing their youthful exuberance, bringing a whole lot to the table as well as now chipping in offensively. So that's a good thing to see. Now, some storylines to come out of these games. Penguins still dealing with injuries. That's something that uh, they tiptoed around almost all season long. But suddenly now, in recent weeks, have really dealt with it quite a bit. Yes, earlier in the season, Sidney Crosby missed a game. Chris Letang missed his share of games this season. But for the most part, Bo Bennett aside, they have been able to remain pretty healthy. Well, then you stir in the Evgeny Malkin situation. Nick Benino goes out. Eric Fair goes out. Bennett out again. These are all guys that um, hurt the Penguins when they're not in the lineup. Marc-Andre Fleury ended up missing time. We can't uh, forget to mention that. But they've been able to weather this storm. I just, you know, told you the record. It's looked pretty good. 5-3-1 and one without Evgeny Malkin. That's a good thing. And the good news is Benino, Malkin, close to returning. They could be back as soon as Saturday against the Winnipeg Jets. They're not going to play tonight in Boston, unfortunately. Even though, I will say, I thought for sure Evgeny Malkin was going to be able to play on uh in the game against the Boston Bruins because I saw him Saturday morning. He was on the ice working very hard with the other injured players before that lightning game. And he looked like a guy that was feeling pretty good, skating very hard, shooting the puck with authority and doing everything that we all know that he's capable of doing. But unfortunately, as of Tuesday's practice, he's still going to be held out. Now, the interesting nuance of this, he had a non-contact jersey on for half of the day or half of the session Ended up swapping jerseys to a regular one halfway through, came out, took some contact. Looks like he is going to be a go as soon as Saturday, as I just mentioned. So that's going to be a huge boost for the Penguins. Nick Benino also did the exact same thing. He wore a non-contact jersey for part of practice on Tuesday, switched into a full contact jersey after that. And uh, he had this to say to my buddy Josh Getzoff from the Penguins Radio Network. Uh, sooner rather than later, I think. Medically, everything is all healed up. So now all I've got to do is get in shape. 
So that's just getting his skating legs back. He has been skating now himself for a couple of weeks, and I think he is going to be a lot closer to getting back as well. So both of those players could be playing uh, uh, whenever the Penguins hit the ice in Boston against the Bruins this evening. Or, I mean, on, on Saturday. Not that I just told you they're not going to play against Boston. We'll see if they can go against the Winnipeg Jets. Now, one thing to keep in mind, Evgeny Malkin, historically has been outstanding in these afternoon games, specifically against the Winnipeg Jets. You may remember uh, a couple years ago, he absolutely terrorized Andre Pavlik on, I believe it was a Saturday afternoon. And we'll see if Gino can't do that again against uh, the Winnipeg Jets, who by then could potentially have made another trade. There's a lot of talk that the Winnipeg Jets could be sh- uh, shipping out their captain, Andrew Ladd. And um, if he's not there, if they make another deal or two, some people think they might be trading Tobias Enstrom, one of their defensemen. That could be a depleted Winnipeg Jets lineup, and that's just, you know, candy from a child if you're Evgeny Malkin. I think he'll be fired up for that one. Now, interesting thing to think about with all of these guys getting healthier because Eric Fair's not too far removed. Bo Bennett, not too far removed. Mike Sullivan addressed Bennett on uh, Tuesday as well, saying that he's not ready right now, but he's definitely on the comeback trail, not too far removed from maybe getting back into games. Well, Jim Rutherford addressed a sort of elephant in the room. Many of us have been wondering, what are you going to do when these guys come back? Because we just talked about it. Scott Wilson's starting to produce. Connor Sheary's done a really nice job. Uh, one of uh, Wilson's goals, his first against the Detroit Red Wings, was set up by a great play by Connor Sheary. Hard-working play. And Mike Sullivan absolutely lit up talking about the contributions of Connor Sheary after the Detroit game. So these guys are all chipping in. Tom Kuhnockle as well left him out, as is Brian Rust. Kevin Porter has played a lot more games than the straight call-ups, but I think he's deserved his place in the lineup right now. He's not a guy I pull out right away. So Jim Rutherford did. He talked about this saying, yes, we're happy to get the guys back. But he said, but we aren't taking all the young kids out of the lineup. That won't happen. They've been too good. And he said, I know Malkin, Fair, Benino are coming back. So one or two of the young kids will have to come out. But most of them are going to stay with this team and keep playing. And I haven't mentioned him yet. Oscar Sundquist, he's done a very nice job as well of contributing for the team. I think that if you are picking names, though, Sunquist is probably a guy that might be better served going down. He got his cameo. He got his little cup of coffee in the National Hockey League. Send him back down because he plays in probably the exact role that Nick Menino is going to play or Eric Fair is going to play when they come back, and that's third or fourth line center. Sunquist has been centering the fourth line. I think that uh, you will see Benino slide right back into the, into one of those slots. So you could take Sunquist out pretty easily, send him down. He'll be ready to come up and help you out in the playoffs if and when you get there. And um, the next thing you know is that you will also have um, to, to make another consideration on guys like Connor Sheary, Scott Wilson, and so on. I think that of those guys, the other one that maybe comes out, and I hate to say it because he's been so productive right now, might be Scott Wilson. Just because you could send him down. He's also gotten the cameo in the National Hockey League. Now he scored some goals and um, he will be better served for it moving forward. We do have to mention too um, another injury that was just announced on Tuesday is Ben Lovejoy. He left and I should have mentioned this when I was talking about the game itself. On Saturday, he left the Lightning game, and Sullivan announced that it's a long-term situation. However, I, I, I've got a, I, I think Mike Sullivan uses long-term in a slippery way. 
because he said that about Nick Benino. And yes, I, I know it's been not as if it's just a day-to-day situation. But when I hear long-term, right away, I fear a guy could be out the season or months. And Nick Benino hasn't, yes, he's been out weeks and weeks and definitely has been out for what I guess I could categorize as long-term. I, I never know for sure what he means because it's one of those, it's almost like a sleight of hand with words. Well, it's a long-term injury, but it's not season-ending. Oh, okay, well, I, how do you read through that? And, and that's how these teams are. They're very mysterious when they are breaking down injuries, but Ben Lovejoy is going to be out, and uh, that's a situation where Ian Cole now steps back in, and I now think, too, if Lovejoy is going to be out for quote-unquote long-term, you'll see Jim Rutherford probably work hard on finding another defenseman now. He had just said the other day he was pretty comfortable with the group that he has because they're moving the puck so much better. They're, uh, they're, their breakouts better. They're, they're, you know, they're able to, to just be a faster skating team and a faster breaking out team. Well, now that you don't have Ben Lovejoy, I don't know if he will look at getting another defenseman. It's all going to come down to how Ian Cole looks over the, the next couple games here, which will probably be Boston tonight and uh, the Winnipeg game on Saturday because the Penguins then take the ice on Monday evening against the Arizona Coyotes. And by then, trade deadline will have passed. Rutherford may have grafted a piece or two on, and who knows, the Coyotes have come up as a, a potential team he might be talking to as well. So we'll see how that works. Now, speaking about the breakout here, I left this out when I was trying to, to point a finger at why Sidney Crosby and Phil Kessel might be doing so much better now than they were earlier in the season. That's the main, that's the main difference. The defense, the puck moving ability, the way they can get the pucks up so much faster and break the forwards out with speed, that's a big reason for those two guys thriving together is just not having to stop. And I know I addressed some of the reasons why, but I didn't. I left out that part about the defense moving the puck so effectively. So um, that's going to take a hit now because even Ben Lovejoy, people like to rip on this guy. And I know why. It's because you're still all angry that Jim Rutherford gave up Simon slash Simone, Simon, Simone, depending on the day. He's Simon now, and uh, you're upset that he gave him up in a trade for Lovejoy, gave up the youth, gave up this. Well, we still don't really know how good is going to be. He's missed so such a big chunk of games this season dealing with a concussion. He just recently returned to the Anaheim Ducks lineup. Ben Lovejoy's been a great soldier here. Now that he's really slid into a nice role for himself, he doesn't have to play too many minutes. He's not overexposed. Yes, he's beaten for goals from time to time, but he's still great at breaking the puck out. He can put shots on goal. He scored a goal for you just over the weekend. That's a big loss. That's going to hurt this team, and that's why you'll see Jim Rutherford maybe look at bringing on another defenseman. Now, I wanted to mention uh, a Rutherford quote about this Matt Murray situation because we're already zooming through our time here. We're uh, we're down to the wire. But uh, Matt Murray Rutherford said this about him getting starts down the stretch. Yes, I believe he will. We haven't made the decision yet. We'll make a decision closer to the end of the week. He would have played the Buffalo game uh, if Flurry was still sick. I do see Murray getting some games, though. And everything else, there were some other quotes floating around over the last 24, 48 hours. I really feel like this kid's going to be shuttling back and forth quite a bit. And being the guy that gets summoned every time you need somebody to start a game, because it doesn't seem to me that even though Sullivan gave an endorsement to his goaltenders as a whole on Tuesday afternoon, I don't think he's that comfortable or confident with going back to Jeff Zadkoff. 
Zakhoff's been a uh, a guy that did everything he was asked of here, but sadly for him, he's had some tough starts this year, and Matt Murray, with the pedigree he has, could be the guy coming up and making all of those starts before this is all said and done. Worth noting, Elliot Friedman from uh, you know the Canadian journalist that does such a great job with breaking down trades and breaking trades, he said something the other day that uh, got Penguins fans a little bit ruffled because he had heard some chatter that the Calgary Flames uh, could have contacted the Penguins about Matt Murray. Penguins apparently rebuffed that conversation. But you never know when these things start to, to spark up. Somebody suddenly makes you an offer you can't refuse. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't think the Penguins want to move Matt Murray. They seem to be pretty married to him in my mind. They like what he can do. They like his long-term potential. And they, they love his quick, quick development over the past couple of seasons. So I don't think he's going anywhere. But keep your eyes on that one. Trade deadline, I talked about that a second ago. Coming up Monday, February 29th at 3 p.m., what will Rutherford do? We're going to be obviously talking a lot about the fallout next week on the show, but there's been talk about all sorts of different players. Scott Hartnell's name's come up. I know you're out, you're all rolling your eyes about that. The former Nashville Predator, Philadelphia Flyer, now Columbus Blue Jacket. Hated pretty universally by Penguins fans, but there's a reason why you hate him because of what he's been able to accomplish against the Penguins. That's probably why he's attractive. Problem for me is he cannot skate anymore. He was never the greatest skater. His salary is too high. I don't know how you fit that in if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he has too much term for a guy that's a little bit older now and injured often. So I don't know that I I look at that as realistic, even though I've heard his name far too many times over the last 48 hours. Andrew Ladd, who I mentioned a little bit ago from the Winnipeg Jets, his name has come up. However, it seems like the uh, Winnipeg Jets would love to get a prospect and a first-round pick. That takes the Penguins out of the mix. They don't have a first-rounder that they can use because it's still tied up in the Phil Kessel situation, which brings us to Chris uh, Chris Russell, the defenseman of the Calgary Flames. I know the Penguins have interest in him. However, so do many other teams around the National Hockey League. He's an unrestricted free agent. He blocks shots very well. He can move the puck, and he can chip in a little bit offensively. I don't know that he is going to be able to be an option for the Penguins just because the price is going to get too high. Toronto Maple Leafs, that's a team to keep an eye on still. They have some dealing to do, some pieces left, even though they've been active over this uh, entire week. They've made uh, two deals already. I think that they will have more before the weekend. They have at least two more players in James Reimer and P.A. Parento that they want to move, and we'll see if that comes to pass. Now, some other uh, people to keep an eye on heading down the trade deadline uh, on Monday. Michael Bodker of the Arizona Coyotes. His name's come up in, in regard to the Penguins and other teams. He should be on the move. Louis Erickson of the Boston Bruins. He's been very hot lately. Eight goals in his last nine games. He's potentially on the move before Monday. I don't know why the Boston Bruins would trade him. They're in the thick of a playoff hunt themselves. But he's a guy that you keep hearing rumored that they want to trade him because he's an unrestricted free agent and he will be out of their price range heading into next season. Jonathan drew in still from the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's apparently still going to be on the move. Eric Stahl of the Carolina Hurricanes told you about Chris Russell. So that's a guy to keep an eye on. Dan Hamuse of the Vancouver Canucks. He's been connected to the Penguins. People want to connect that dot just because Ray Shiro again, we'll bring him up one more time, acquired his rights a few years ago whenever he was a... Um, going to just head into unrestricted free agency for the first time after he was ending his tenure in Nashville, wasn't able to come to terms with the Flyers or the Penguins. Each team acquired his rights. 
He wanted to go home to Vancouver. Well, now Vancouver seemingly wants to push him out the door, and that's because he's 33. He's been oft injured. He's going to require too much money to sign this coming season. That's an intriguing name, though, just because he's a good defenseman. Dale Weiss of the Montreal Canadiens, I think he's going to be coveted by many. Yuri Hoodler of the Flames is another one, and we'll give you just a couple more quick names here. Justin Schultz, a defenseman from the Edmonton Oilers. It looks like he could be on the move. Everybody's favorite former Penguin, Lee Stempniak, New Jersey. Looks like they might be moving him on. He's been one of their most productive players this year, so I'm not sure why they'd want to move him, but it appears that they might. And um, a guy that I thought might be a good fit for the Penguins several seasons ago David Jones, uh, he's a guy that the Flames look like they could be moving him now. Formerly a 25-goal scorer for the Colorado Avalanche. Hasn't really been able to do that again. I think he, um, in the right situation, could still be productive. The most intriguing name for me, though, that the people over TSN say could be available, Brandon Peary, the center-slash-wing, but he's mainly a center for the Florida Panthers. He, He washed out with the Chicago Blackhawks. He, it looks like he's on his way to washing out in Florida just because it's an, uh, too many numbers stacked against him, but he's still only 24 years old, scores a lot of goals, doesn't get many assists, doesn't play a lot of defense, sort of a one-dimensional player, but in the right situation, if you are a team in need of secondary scoring, Brandon Peary's a guy I would definitely keep my eye on. Now, let me get you one or two quick Twitter questions. And actually, I think we just have time for, to get you one here. And I will go with uh, my, my man, Chris Needles Heel, because he always gets one in on the show. And I like to reward him with an answer because he is consistent. And I thank him for that. Um, he asked, Mike Sullivan has had a big impact with the Pens and all the players and their play since coming on board. All coaches have a shelf life. Is he a long-term fit? Well, his shelf life's not even near close to coming to an end in my mind. This is a guy that just got here in December, Chris. So I think he has at least, uh, we'll call it, it's going to be a longer shelf life than Mike Johnston. Put it that way. I think he will be here longer than Mike Johnston was. He seems like he's earned the respect of his players. He's already having more success. Looks like he has them playing a more exciting brand of hockey. And I do think that you're going to see Mike Sullivan here for the foreseeable future. So uh, I hope I'm right about that. So thanks, Chris, for your question. I'm sure we'll address that one again a little bit further on down the line here as the season uh, heads towards down the stretch and into the playoffs. Let's get you your news of the weird here. I, you know, wanna, I don't want to discount you uh, or, or have you miss that because, you know, that's one of our favorite things to do. This one, this 81-year-old woman, you do not want to mess with her. You don't want to mess with her. And you know why? She chases fleeing robbers, rams them with her car. This comes from Mount Pocono, Pennsylvania. Compliments of the Associated Press. Police say an 81-year-old Pennsylvania woman chased down robbers who stole her purse, ramming their car with hers and leaving damage that helped officers apprehend them. The woman was sitting in her car in her Mount Pocono driveway on Tuesday when she was approached by a man and woman. As she talked to them through an open window, one grabbed her purse and they fled in a car. Pocono Mountain Regional Police say the woman took off after them and hit their car, but the duo drove off. Officers found their damaged car in a grocery store parking lot. 34-year-old uh, William Hayhurst and 30-year-old Aaron Vantmatier were arrested and arraigned Wednesday on robbery and other charges. So this must have been last Tuesday, not this Tuesday. Police say suspects targeted the woman after seeing her with cash at a pharmacy. And that's what you get, jerks. Do not mess with this 81-year-old woman. You know that uh, 
I always say this. Little old ladies, you gotta be you gotta be careful. They can be very feisty, they will whack you with their purse. I picture the old cartoons hitting you over the head with the purse, screaming masher. That's what this was. Kudos to her. We'll give her two big points for the victory. Love that they caught these people. Don't mess with people. Uh, respect your elders. Re- respect senior citizens. And of course, that was your news of the weird. And it wraps up this edition of the Penguins podcast for this week. It's going to be an exciting one. Boston Bruins tonight. Winnipeg Jets on Saturday. Arizona Monday to close out trade deadline day. We'll see what Jim Rutherford has to do or what he's going to end up doing. We'll see what anybody else in the league does. And of course, we'll have a full recap of the trade deadline next Wednesday here on the show. That will do it for today, of course. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. It's going to be a lot of fun breaking down the trade deadline. I'll see you then next week. So be there or be less than circular for the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast.